Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, and we are back in business for the second half of BoJack Horseman Season 6. And as always, Michael, you can call us the front of the plane once again, because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts if you'd like to. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamlet. At Michael Hamflet. Yes, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we would like you to subscribe or follow it, depending on what update you've taken. I would recommend neither because you can also get us on Spotify. You can get us on Overcast. You can pretty much get us anywhere you can get your podcast. You can get us on Amazon Music if you're not buying those Christmas presents early, seeing as that was what I saw trending on Twitter today. It's in September, for Christ's sake. But just get your podcast, get Podcast Horseman, including on Acast through our Apple Podcast Horseman Twitter account where you can, you can stream it through there, you can subscribe through there, and we would love you to leave us some feedback it's coming to the end of podcast horseman but that doesn't mean it has to be the end of you sharing your love or your resentment or your bitterness as long as they are accompanied by five stars give us some of them fool the algorithms and get more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse and stand a chance of being inducted into our hollywood talk of fame there is just a few scant spots left uh for anyone that's still uninitiated at this point if you've only just joined us today what the hell are you doing get yourself all the way back to the start but if you want to leave a review, say something nasty, say something nice, you'll get it right out at the end of the show, you'll get a start on Hollywood Talk of Fame. And I feel like this is the opportune time to point this out. Keep leaving us those reviews. Any that we don't get done in the normal course of the show, we will definitely make time for, in some form or fashion, to get read out. You'll get your name read out, you'll get your review read out, maybe in some kind of end of season, end of show wrap up. You might not make it into the Hall of Fame, but your name will be shamed in podcast <laughs> horseman law before we wrap this up forever. I am sure everybody who leaves something will be getting something. It will kill me to do them all, I'm sure. But I think it's the only right that everybody gets a little something. And I guess in a similar vein, just while we're talking about that, for anybody who has a good memory, you will recall that the last episode we were on, I believe we mentioned about what we're going to call tentatively Follow Friday. Yes, aren't we geniuses? Um, (laughs) But basically, anybody who does indeed share or like or interact with our tweets 
I initially said Twitter only, but I'm sure Instagram would be able to do it as well. Why not? It's not like I've got anything else to do. Um, <laughs> anybody who interacts with our stuff for this last half of the season, we will be giving followers back. We will, we, we'd like to extend our love to you guys because we know you've spent a lot of time following us. So why not return the favour? Because we like this network. We have enjoyed uh, building mm-hmm. this community and it seems like a good idea to make it last, even if that, even if all those accounts become defunct, Michael, once this is all over, <laughs> who cares? Because it means we're all together and we're in this thing together, talking ourselves, horse, about a talking horse. Anyway, shall we dive into it? We'll go across to Netflix for this week's synopsis. It's season six, it's episode nine, and it is Intermediate Scene Study with Bojack Horseman. When Bojack starts teaching an acting class at Wesleyan, Hollyhock sets some boundaries in their relationship. And after an episode, the last one, where there was absolutely no Bojack Horseman whatsoever, or Diane, or Princess Carolyn, or Mr. Peanut Butter, or Todd, or someone else I'm probably forgetting, I think it might be back to business as usual this week, is it? It is indeed. We got the whole gang back in a manner of speaking, which we will, of course, get to in the review. Um, And of course, as you kind of alluded to there, we did leave it on something of a cliffhanger. We knew that Bojack was Wesleyan bound, but he was heading back to a hollyhock that found out something rather dark about his past. And how was that all going to converge? Would we find out here? Well, not immediately, because we are indeed at Wesleyan. And uh, we actually starts with Bojack narrating. He's saying, quote, what is acting? Anyone? Acting is about leaving everything behind and becoming something completely new. He's narrating this to himself as a way to practice, ready for getting ready for his first class. He's, of course, become an acting teacher at Wesleyan. Uh, we see him cycling through campus to class. We're hearing sort of a couple of versions of the line as he's trying to get it right. Um, he passes Hollyhock uh, en route as she's walking from one class to another. And she seems to find their interaction a little bit awkward. But that's pretty much left there for now. Um, and then suddenly he's in class. He, uh, he does his big line, he delivers it, he's happy with it, but there is a pullback and reveal to show the room is empty. It was just another practice goal before the students arrive. Um, he goes, uh, he's feeling a, he sort of, he's feeling very pleased with it, so he offers a triumphant, nailed it. And then he goes to rub his name off the board. He's wrote Bojack Horseman on a whiteboard behind him. Uh, it turns out he's done it in Sharpie and it's not coming off. Um, that's our cold open, pretty quick one. So we'll move just in the sort of first scene of the episode, if that's okay with you, because uh, we get the... Um, I guess the theme of this episode, uh, when a curtain is pulled down that doesn't need to say intermediate scenes to do with uh, Bojack Horseman, the title of the episode, followed by another curtain following down saying, quote, an evening of modern American scenes from Wesleyan student actors. And finally, a title card uh, resting on an easel saying, quote, what is acting? Um, the episode will be divided up by these title cards and we will get to them as we go. They all kind of define little individual chapter points of the episode. Um, we find Bojack now in his actual first class. So he does his big line delivery, but when he asks what is acting, rather than getting the silence he wanted for the anyone follow-up to work, a bunch of hands shoot up, which completely rattle him. He gets a series of answers to his questions from the class. They're very engaged, um, but they're all very much based on theory. These are young kids. They've not acted for real, but they've at least read around the topic. And he was kind of unprepared for this. As a result, he flubs his big line after all. He doesn't deliver it as he would have hoped. So that goes wrong and he goes to leave. You can feel it all get a bit too much. Um, <laughs> but when he goes to leave, uh, he, he stops him, kind of like stops himself in his tracks and says, no, I don't want to quit. And then turns to the class and goes, and that's acting. And he kind of steals a round of applause. They've 
naively given him the benefit of the doubt. But there was that split second where he was going to go. He's kind of turned it around. But that represents the pendulum swinging for him a little bit because the class applaud. And with that, he finally gets on with things. He does offer a big class dismissed one in that big cinematic moment. And then one of the students points out that there are only uh, there's an hour and 20 minutes left to go. So he's actually going to have to do a bit of teaching. Um, he offers a bit of coaching. Um, including uh, Tawny, Hollyhock's friend. Uh, she's in the class as well. That will matter later. Um, and he wants to coach them through various scenes that, that they'd be working on the prior term with the old teacher. And he surprises himself with how decent his advice is. He's obviously got all this leading experience that he maybe hasn't realised that he's been absorbing over the years. And he's offering them some genuine insights. The kids aren't great, but Bojack is patient. The students appear to be receptive. Um, so much so, in fact, that after feeling like, how am I going to get through this one hour and 20 minutes? The class runs long and late, but so far, so good. Um, the Hollyhock stuff isn't lingered on yet. However, his new life continues to, dare I say, work out. It's certainly not going wrong at this point, is it? I mean, mm. that's a change. I was expecting the whole episode to be in <laughs> flames already at this point, <laughs> given how we ended the last one. But hey, there you go. Um, yeah, nice to see Bojack starting off life. The new the new chapter in his life as Professor Horseman. As mm. he, that's what he writes on the board, by the way, just before anyone yes. shouts at you and goes, hey, Michael, you got that thing wrong. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. Professor Horseman is what was written on the board. Um, and what will be written on the board forever. <laughs> because <laughs> Sharpie, of course. But I love this as an opening because, especially, so we've got the cold open, but then the actual first uh, scene in a bit where Bojack realising that he actually does have a wealth of knowledge to offer these uh, guys and gals because he's been there and he's done that. And I think mm. seeing the receptive nature of the students, like earnestly being like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. That's cool. And seeing him get that inadvertent positive reinforcement that he's actually doing a good job yeah. um it feels like if you were to pick this up from the end of say episode seven um mm. where we see bojack and he's had that lovely cinematic everything's great episode R rose colored glasses episode everything's fine michael there's nothing wrong he's <laughs> gone off to wesleyan he's pressed the reset button on life and he's he's a really good teacher. I loved, I loved him going, class dismissed. Like it was <laughs> an amazing old teen American movie. And obviously that's just the reality of it is that's not how this works at all. Such a Bojack Horseman move. But good to see that it's actually, it, it's a good fit so far. Yeah, it's, I think um, it's, it was important that we saw both sides of Bojack in this role because he has, like with everything, and like with, if, you know, there's still a men in Hollywood aspect to this. He has kind of backed into the job and he's got it with the greatest of ease. And yet, there is that theory, isn't there, about you do something for 10,000 hours, you kind of become a master of it by default. That's where Bojack sits, I guess. He's been doing this for the bulk of his life and stuff has gone in. He spent all this time on sets, he spent all this time in roles. And the contrast of, even if he considers himself bad at this, in contrast with kids that are barely out of school and have basically done a bit of drama class on their way to Wesleyan University, he's miles in front and he genuinely can't offer something. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be to his detriment because we get the first, well, I guess the second title card, but the first one in a, in a run of them here, quote, the alcoholic. Um, Bojack meets with one of the students, Whitfield, um, in his office to ask if he's doing anything else as well as acting. It's to imply that maybe Whitfield should have something else lined up because the classes aren't going so great. Um, Whitfield rather stubbornly 
youthfully, I guess, um, totally disagrees and promises slash threatens to show Bojack just how good he is. We transition over the pouring of a coffee cup, not from a Wesleyan staff room, but to Alcoholics Anonymous, where Bojack is still going. Obviously, that all-important self-care. He's still in rehabilitation, and he's now in control of it himself. Um, but before we can get to the end of one of the other Alcoholics Anonymous um, people in the sort of in the this circle of trust that Bojack has with these people, Whitfield, the student, bursts in doing a truly wretched and thoughtless job of pretending to be drunk. Um, that extends to him going beat for beat through the plot of the film Flight. Um, Bojack, understandably, is absolutely mortified at the sight of this. But it's one of them um, kind of Vincent Adultman-type moments where Bojack seems to be the only smart character in his world. Um, the student completes this dreadful performance of which, through Bojack, we are led to believe is a complete disaster. And yet everybody else in Alcoholics Anonymous applauds his work. They couldn't believe that this kid wasn't a drunk. It is absolutely dreadful. But from Bojack's point of view, at least he hasn't been shamed amongst the other people in his group. Um, albeit the student hasn't at all listened to Bojack's earnest <coughs> advice, should we say. Next title card, try. Uh, here we find Hollyhock playing rugby with Bojack in the, uh, in the terraces. Uh, buzzing for it, if completely confused by the rules. Um, Bojack speaks to Hollyhock after the game. It's gone really well. They've won. And Hollyhock uses, uses that as an excuse to not be able to see him. She notes that after the team win, they go to a bar, um, which she points out has alcohol and young girls. There's an awkwardness to it all as Bojack tries to ask, oh, what do you mean by that? But the conversation doesn't really have a chance to flow effectively. Hollyhock's desperate to get on her way. Um, and Bojack kind of ignores it after that anyway to call her, quote, cool and at least try and keep up the pretense that everything is fine between them, even though we know otherwise. She offers a thank you on her way, which feels incredibly forced. All is not well there, but we don't know to what extent after the... We still don't know to what extent after the big reveal at the, uh, the end of the last episode. Back in class, um, Bojack asks Tony about Hollyhock playing rugby. Um, Tony notes they're in a fight, but of course she still knows everything that's going on with Hollyhock because we know how their fights go. Um, she says it's something that Hollyhock picked up after she returned from winter break, coming back, quote, super aggro. And of course we know why that is, though Bojack is not so sure. He reasons um, that the rational response on for, the, for him is to double down on his interest in Hollyhock's rugby. We get a montage of him keeping going at games. Um, at this point, it's to Hollyhock's open chagrin. <coughs> we catch her on the pitch looking up at a very enthusiastic Bojack and seemingly not wanting him to be there at all. Uh, we get cuts of Bojack reading stacks of rugby-related book, uh, rugby books. He's trying to use all the terminology as one does when they're trying to force themselves into a hobby that they don't really know or feel any passion towards. Um, until one day, um, he's at a game. At this point, he's in the Wesleyan colours. He's got the makeup on, the face paint on. And uh, Hollyhock isn't even there. He goes to her dorm room, uh, knocks on, uh, she answers and explains that she's quick to focus on her studies. Uh, Bojack is sad as, quote, rugby's our thing. But Hollyhock is expressionless to that entire ideal. Um, Bojack just wants them to have a new thing, but Hollyhock wants them to have separate things. It's only now that Bojack is realising, or at least it's only now that he's having to accept that Hollyhock was actually looking for distance rather than something that would bring them together. Bojack has an acting showcase with his class coming up in a few weeks, um, which he she agrees to go to. And uh, in the meantime, 
uh, closes the door on Bojack's faith as he is mid-sentence. They've not even finished the conversation, but Hollyhock has decided to end it because she actually has a bit of say in the matter now. Um, it's great, this, because they are, we know everything. Bojack only knows half the story and probably doesn't even suspect what it is that Hollyhock's got over him at the moment. But it's kind of heartbreaking knowing that at some point the other shoe's going to have to drop. The other shoe always has to drop in this show, doesn't mm. it? That's half the battle. Um, brilliant dynamic they've set up here because obviously we know how how much... Well, we assume because that's, there's only one way this conversation went between her and Pete Repeat at the end of mm. uh, the last episode. She obviously knows enough at this point to be a bit uncomfortable with Bojack. And he bars, bars and young girls. Yeah, man. I mean, it, yeah, it's not, it's not good. It's really not good. Um, and I think the other side of this is, this is kind of the reality of uh, Bojack's journey, isn't it? Because we talked about the di- the differences between episode seven and episode eight of this season, where Bojack looks like he's done this amazing turnaround, and he's he has mm. for himself, but the rest of the world in episode eight, as we see, and are painfully beaten over the head with still goes on and everything that he did before that still happened and all of these other lives have still been happening and are not whole and are not doing well and have been affected by him so this is kind of the first time we're seeing since his amazing episode seven that actually there's still work to do because he would imagine probably in his head that everything's better now he's 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 dived straight into this job at wesleyan university and i guess he was assuming everything was going to be great with him and Hollyhock, and now it's not. And he's having to try and figure out why, even though he's absolutely miles off the money at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Still feels like the first time since he's like sort of recovery, if you will, or certainly his rehabilitation stint, that he's having to deal with something where it hasn't just fallen into place perfectly for him. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Especially because she isn't being, and nor does she have to be, she isn't mm. being crystal clear about her motivations. Yeah. And I guess that's the, you know, in this case, it's family. And in this case, she'll have felt incredibly hurt by what she heard about him to her at a party. But ultimately, that's got to be the reality of any addicts that go through this. They yeah. will probably have in their mind the people that they affected. But there's multiple strands of what addiction can do to people and families and friends and associates and acquaintances and all that sort of thing. And a lot of people won't ever get that sense of, vindication or closure and i think this explores Mm. that a little bit i think anything if this was so linear that again is as you put it like that's kind of another like easy win for bojack and it it can't just go like that i think the closure thing was the word i kept thinking of because it boils down to the fact that even if he even if bojack goes and ticks all these boxes as he has and all makes all this effort to improve himself it's still very much up to whoever whoever not just hollyhock Mm. anybody in his life to say no like they yeah. can still it that it's not up to that he doesn't just do that and then they have they have to say oh cool well i'll let you back in my life now they don't have to do that and it's not that hollyhock doesn't want to be in our life but as was suggested in the synopsis yeah we're already seeing here trying to set up boundaries which let's be honest even if there wasn't all this stuff going on with what she knows about bojack it's still quite intense having like if i've gone to university and my mm. my brother was like hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm coming to all your football matches. I would have been a bit like, no, you're not. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you want you want to start 
you're experienced, don't you? It's, mm. it's a formative part of your life. You want to go out and experience this new place. And, and that, that's, you know, that's definitely there. But this obviously, there's a huge other factor going on in the background. I think, um, and I, like, I've got some personal experience of this, and I imagine a lot of people do as well. I think university, particularly college for American listeners, obviously, yeah. the worst um, pronoun or anything along those lines that you want for a situation like that is our. But university yeah. cannot be our. It has to be. It has to be mine. Like that. Uh, and, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be because your stepbrother has been a raging alcoholic and drug addict. It really doesn't need to be as extreme as that. There are a lot of hours in uh, in society and in human relationships, and I don't think many of them are very good for somebody starting university. And I think a lot of people will have lived through a different version of that. Mm. Yeah, just it's one of those things. Ah. Just should point out, he's never ever going to listen to this, but I do love my brother. He's a great person. But, <laughs> yeah. but also, but also, I love me in my own time, and I think everybody who's at university has that feeling. As you say, it's a brand new thing. The only hour you ever want to hear at university is from your fellow university students who are experiencing yes. a similar thing, I think, because you're all moving in the same direction. But yeah, slight tangent there, but genuinely, I did think this was the first real moment of, uh, okay, so this is the reality for Bojack. This doesn't, you don't just get a, a clean slate with everyone straight away. It's another case as well, and we've had this in Bojack before, about how it doesn't, and there's more of it to come, I guess, by the end of the episode, but this is not your common or garden, big cliffhanger, next episode, pay off straight away. This yeah. is dealt with in a very real-life manner. There is no spectacular reveal. There is simply a pissed-off character in Hollyhock who doesn't, like, Bojack is not owed the story that we've seen take place in in a New York apartment somewhere, because that's not how it would go down in real life. It would be, it would be ironically very undramatic, and that's what we're seeing play out here. There is no plate getting thrown against the wall. No. It's just I don't feel comfortable around you, and that's all I want to say about it. And I like again, these are animals, and yet it feels so much closer to fact than most of the works of fiction. It certainly does, and I, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers when I was telling you the fact that I'm still doing a bit of a friends rewatch at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this is not where we're going to finish one episode, and the next episode is someone opening the door to the apartment to have the big confrontation that was expected from the last one. This is not it, because mm. as much as I am enjoying Friends, Bojack Horseman is not that show, and it's better <laughs> than the show you like, and it's going to make you work for it, and it's even it's all the better for it, I think, because it feels, as you say, extremely realist. Absolutely. Um, we get our next title card to take us forward. Quote, the arrangement. Um, Bojack is at his desk um, when an accountant calls to say uh, Bojack <laughs> could do with some money. Um, it turns out we spent a lot on rehab, which we <laughs> know. Come on now, Michael. Let's, let's, he's calling by his proper name. Our Gaz. Our Gaz. <laughs> Gaz the accountant. <laughs> another another hour we like at university is getting a call from Gaz. <laughs> uh, Gaz is rather stressed um, about the money that Bojack spent in rehab. Of course, we remember the hundreds of thousands of dollars it was costing Bojack. And he says, it's fine, just do a movie. Uh, Bojack says, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a teacher, which causes Gaz to have a complete freak out. Um, the prospect of... Um, getting shot of Elefante becomes a topic of conversation because it's an easy way for Bojack to free up a money pit. Um, they are asking aloud who would be stupid enough to buy Elefante 
which allows for the transition shot of Mr. Peanut Butter going sold. Only he's not sold on the concept of buying Elephante. Uh, he's sold on the concept he's devised that we'll see Pickles have sex with Joey Pogo after forming a close emotional bond and then marry Mr. Peanut Butter because, you know, <laughs> finally gotten even um, this seems like another doomed plan but typically you've got that great trope that Bojack plays really well with is when you've got one stupid character and then an even stupider one the first stupid character's plot doesn't seem that stupid played brilliantly as always um, this conversation is broken up by a phone call that must last no longer than 60 seconds in which of course Mr Peanut Butter goes into business with Joey Pogo buying Elephante as well that's all we get of this lot in this episode but it is a canny destructive minute and a half for the gang brilliantly destructive I just I don't have a ton to say on this other than the moment where Mr Peter put us on the phone and he's being hassled about buying Elefante at which point Pickles is just trying to give him some sort of other side of the coin and he kind of pauses and says listen Pickles I don't want to rush you but I've got this guy on the phone and he's trying to like he's trying to sell me this thing she's like oh don't worry finish your conversation he literally <laughs> sells or buys rather Elefante and then her finishing of about her reservations about him buying Elefante. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful gag. But it, yes, I think it's nice to see that there are more stupid characters in this who are around Peanut Butter and not just Todd, Michael. Well, indeed. Um, we go next to quote the old man. Um, Bojack is coaching some students through a truly terrible scene. Again, like I can't stress this enough. I'm not going to spoil them because I want people to enjoy it when they watch it. But there are some dreadful scenes put on by these students, but they're first years, they're new to it. So that I guess that's the that's the message coming across. They're supposed to be as bad as they are. Um, there's a student called Terry who is doing an awful job of playing old man. And again, with a certain threat in his tone, he'll show Bojack all right. So, of course, we go back to Alcoholics Anonymous. This time, Terry bursts in. He starts doing his awful old man gimmick. And then he, as well, gets into the plot of flight. Because <laughs> this old man is also a disgraced ex-pilot, which never featured in Terry's original scene. Then, just to make matters worse, that dickhead Whitfield is back playing the abandoned child of Terry's old man character. The two of them put on an abysmal show and the Alcoholics Anonymous lot inexplicably applaud as Bojack continues to apologise profusely for students making a mockery of this. Title card, The Prodigy. Princess Carolyn and Todd are at Wesleyan and wasn't that a nice moment? They're here. Uh, Todd takes Ruthie for a stroll because Princess Carolyn has arrived to talk to the students over a session about the business realities of acting. She's come as a special guest of Bojack's. We get a montage of terribly naive questions from all the students. Uh, how long till I get my big break? <laughs> Two weeks? Three weeks? Uh, Whitfield, again, is back saying, uh, what if I want to do nudity in my shoot? Do I need to put that in my contract? Uh, and there's one uh, character, a dog person at the back, who puts his arms up, not to ask a question, but to stretch and look like he doesn't give a toss. After class, that is naturally the one that has appealed to Princess Carolyn. She likes his bad boy, doesn't give a sh energy, because the wheel will always keep turning for men in Hollywood. Um, she's pestering Bojack for his details, and there's quite a nice bit of push and pull between the two here, because Bojack notes that he's only a sophomore, which is his first year, and he really wants him, or was it a sophomore or a freshman? First or second year? Anyway, early into his university journey, and wants him to finish that, you know, wants him to see it through. Uh, Princess Carolyn 
all business, really persistent, makes a point about how his age is actually perfect because he's young enough to kind of play these young roles, but not so old enough that he's been destroyed by the system and that he can kind of still be manipulated. She's really got her business head on for this because she's seen money. She's got stars in her eyes for this young kid. That, ironically, has shown the least aptitude of anybody in the class. Mm -hmm. um, we could have seen, and again, it's great because he's a dog and they like playing dogs as being pretty <laughs> stupid in this show. The character is called Stan. He's a kid. And you've got Princess Carolyn at one end of the office saying, come to me, Stan, with all my treats. And you've got Bojack at the other saying, come to me, Stan, with all my realities and how dangerous this business is and how you should stick with the university. Bojack is offering him huge picture stuff Princess Carolyn is offering freebies, fame, fortune, instant gratification. Naturally, the dog, tongue sticking out, tail wagging, races over at Princess Carolyn. Another dog's body lost to the cruel world of Hollywood. Um, we will go on to the next title card, quote, the sweet science, because where was Todd going? He was taking Ruthie for a walk around college. It's really loud on campus and he's looking to get somewhere quiet for Ruthie. <laughs> And he bumps into a student looking for help with a marshmallow-related experiment. Into a lab they go, where Todd eats a marshmallow. It then turns out that the experiment was involving not eating a marshmallow, and it was for Ruthie, not for Todd. Todd notes that she should explain that first of all. The experiment is that kind of uh, old cod science one, where they are testing to see if uh, Ruthie will eat the marshmallow over a 15-minute period. If she doesn't, she'll get an even bigger treat. We're not letting into anything at this point, but we've kind of all seen how this one goes before. Um, it's kind of a, an abstinence deal we are led to believe. Um, Todd calls Maud, of course, who we understand at this point, I guess he's cooked up a, a minor relationship with, um, asking what they should do. She offers him some sort of like bizarrely profound advice, suggesting that he eat it right now because, quote, who knows what the world will even be like in 15 minutes. I love that because, mm. and I just want to like stop and pause here. As stupid as that is at a fundamental level and as very daft Bojack Horseman comedy as it is, I think there's a comment there on how like Generation Y and below have been given nothing for the world. They've been given nothing to hold on to. They have not been promised anything in their future. So I think there's a, a point there to be made about young people thinking, well, I... 15 minutes, this could all be gone. You've kind of got to take it now, otherwise you might never get it again. I'll, I'll come back to you on that in a minute when I've just wrapped this bit up, because I thought there was quite a lot to that, as silly and as bojacky and toddy as it was. But he eats mm. it anyway, he eats it nonetheless. He immediately regrets it. So he rings Maud back to get a bit more advice on what he should do now he's eating it because he wanted Ruthie to get the, the bigger treat. Um, that leads him to a chemistry lab uh, and through a comedy sci-fi montage, the chemistry student he's found has helped him make a brand new marshmallow. So we go back to the lab. Todd presents the marshmallow, uh, <laughs> at which point when it is revealed that he hasn't eaten it, Willie Wesleyan bursts in to say, <laughs> as a result of not eating the marshmallow, Todd has won Wesleyan. Bizarrely, because we are six seasons into Bojack Horseman, this feels like a very normal thing to happen to Todd in his life. But it turns out this time, they subvert the gag of Todd just being given everything. Uh, this Willy Wonka parody is indeed just a parody. He's just a man called Mr. Phillips, who has been taking part in an LSD experiment. And he gets dragged out the room by two more students. Todd and Ruthie are left alone again, believing college effectively to be a bit of a circus, a bit of a clown show, to be honest. And that we believe until a, a really cute payoff at the very end of this episode is pretty much that. But I loved the... Maud advice bit. I love Maud and Todd already. Mm -hmm. Like, so little 
but such a lot said over two very short phone conversations. Two very short phone conversations. Uh, I guess the first important thing we need to do is pick up the fact that this worked. Bojack did this. This was, mm. if, you remember, if you recall correctly, this was the end of like the, that closing montage, I think, in season seven where we were discovering that Bojack had done a bunch of things in uh, season mm. seven, in episode seven of this season, rather, uh, where the, he'd sort of told uh, Maud about the app and then, of course, Todd had ended up matching with that on that app or he'd matched with Maud, whichever way it was. So to see that that's worked, which is a cool thing. What I loved about this, though, is, as you kind of put it, Maud being Todd's, like, uh, sounding board immediately, like someone he trusts, someone he can give him advice. And yes, as, as we kind of point out there, yes, in the wider scale of things, a funny daft, like, yeah, just do it now. Like, what what the hell? Why not? That's mm-hmm. it. That was, I had the same feeling where I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm into that advice. I was like... Because especially given the year that everybody had last year, like yeah. they could never have predicted that, never. And I feel like you you've absolutely hit the nail on the head because so many generations prior who've who've tried to do things quote unquote the right way, or who've mm. waited for their turn, or who've uh, paid their due diligence or their dues mm. or whatever, they've gone through the mill, only to end up with diddly squat at the end of it, like. You can understand this this mentality, and I know we're getting a bit deep on a little throwaway line, essentially from Mayor Maud and Todd. But I just felt like they managed to give you a great idea of this dynamic between the two already, and we we barely even know Maud. We know Maud from one episode as the bunny mm. who works at Cinnabunny, uh, or Cinnabun. No, Cinnabunny. I was right. Cinnabunny. Um, yeah. Cinnabunny. And I, I just think what a great force she feels. She felt great in that episode where she was talking to Bojack because she was a straight yeah. shooter and she kind of didn't mince her words and was to the point. And we're getting more of that here with Todd on the telephone. Yeah, big, big fan. What's really nice as well is that they've always kind of, with Todd's uh, interpersonal relationships, when it like, I don't mean with Diana, with Bojack, etc., but I guess like with his attempts to have girlfriends, with his coming to terms with his asexuality, um, it's a lack of a feeling between Todd and anybody else. Maud tells him to eat it right now he's already done that once like yeah. they have the same impulse control which is to say zero but it's the same they like they look at things through the same prism and todd's been kind of searching for that for the longest time so it's quite nice that like that's a that like that's a kind of mint moment between the two of them where neither could have possibly known that they were thinking the same thing and yet it has happened and it's just nice to see that for todd because he's waited long enough i think for something like that yeah, it definitely feels like a good a good match for him, doesn't it? Even in these early stages, of course, we don't know for sure, but it feels good. We like Maud. We love Todd, of course. Um, but yes, by the way, just another little side note. How like much you laughed because you're like, oh yeah, of course he's just won Wesleyan University. <laughs> that's Todd's bit for this this season. Yeah. Thinking, well, that's that, that's him sorted yeah. for the next however many episodes because you're like, <laughs> yeah. we got paid that like eight million dollars or whatever it was, or he ends up becoming the head of what time is mm-hmm. it right now? As soon as that happens, which they've obviously they've earned that laugh so much yes. because it comes and you're like. Oh, well, there we go. Todd must have just won the whole university. <laughs> Willie Wesley. Yeah, that's how he's going to be part of this uh, storyline for the foreseeable. Yeah. And, of course, the swerve that he absolutely is not was even more perfect. Yeah, tremendous. Um, 
Title card, next, quote, problem student, as if we haven't had enough of them already. Um, Bojack sits down back in his office with Amy. Um, he's not threatening her that she won't be able to do the showcase, but he's making it clear that she's not kind of in good enough fettle to do it. She's been late. She's been missing classes. She's always tired. She seems unfocused. Um, she takes this all very seriously, rather than the previous encounters with Whitfield and Terry and being quite stubborn and almost surprised that Bojack is saying this about it. She seems rather knowing of the flaws and of the problems that she's faced in this class. She promises to be better and uh, prove herself to him, but with far less like threat in her tone. So, of course, we go back to Bojack's uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, we're in the middle, yet again, of the same person in that circle of trust going through their story. And Amy, the student we've just seen, pokes her head through the door. It's a rule of three, Gagnaclis. Once again, Bojack is preparing for the worst, and this time he wants to cut her off at the pass. Before she can even get all the way in the room, he bollocks her. He's absolutely sick of these ludicrous interruptions, the things that are ruining the sanctity of Alcoholics Anonymous, and he won't let Amy do it. However, she runs off in tears, screaming as she goes that she was there to get help. It has become apparent that it, obviously the reason Amy was missing her classes was because of addictions of demons of her own. Uh, Bojack has misread, very literally misread the room and misread the situation and offers a nervous whoops to the other uh, group in response. Um, the next title card is the last one. So this feels like one last time for us to like collect our thoughts before the, the big finish. God, you feel for Amy. God, you feel for Bojack. And it's kind of because of them dickheads earlier in the episode setting these two characters up for a disastrous fall and, uh, like you can see it coming but you don't want to you don't want to see it coming at all do you and there's a few quick notables I know we've we've deep dived on a few bits here so I'll try and keep it short the few key notables here Michael the two people who go in before who set this up for failure both dickhead self-obsessed blokes who've gone yeah. in there and then the woman who wants to earnestly go in there and get help doesn't get it because of the idiot men who've come and spoiled it before. Mm -hmm. Yes, it could have been women who went before and were trying to do a bit that, uh, whatever. But it just felt like very much a specific decision that, because on another layer, it's like, why can't people just do the thing they want to do? Because there's too many dickheads who just won't shut the fuck up about something <laughs> for, five, for five minutes. And I've, Kind of cherry pick that straight out of Bo Burnham's special inside, but if just, just for five minutes, stop talking about yourself or something, and just let let the important stuff happen around you without you trying to interject yourself in it or put it on you. The other thing, though, that it took me a little while to cut cotton onto until about the third time we get into the alcohol anonymous meeting, is that the advancement of Bojack to the person who's leading the session, like. So obviously he's, he's a teacher in the classroom and then has advanced to the point where he can now hold the meetings, which is mm. which felt more notable again. And I don't know why it took me, it takes me until, or took me certainly until Amy goes into the room to try and get the help, to realise that it was actually him who was running the session. Because I know they kind of do a bit where other people are talking all around you, so it could be anybody. But then on that, in that instance, you realise he's the one responsible. And it's kind of like, again, showing his advancement, but also showing that it's, still quite difficult to get these things right because miscommunication is very much a thing yeah it's a real heartbreak one you're right as well it is great it's pointed obviously that it is these two blokes but 
your very own Whitfield and Terry, Michael Hazlitt and Nicholas. We shall carry on regardless with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do you think I'm going to do a little bit more talking? Because it is opening night, the final title card, of course, setting up the big crescendo for this episode in a very theatrical fashion from what has been a very theatrical episode. Um, Bojack looks out onto an audience. He spots uh, Todd and Diane who have arrived. Um, there are some fans that we saw at the rugby game that are also there. It's, you know, that very like televisual ending where it's brought all of the plots together at the same time. Uh, this, <laughs> this is a great Almost payoff. like everyone matters, you mean. Is that what you're trying to say? They, like, they I... make everyone matter in the episode. Is that right? Yeah, it's almost like they might say that. I don't see that. Fantastic payoff. The student who was doing the marshmallow study with Todd um, explains to another student her hypothesis was correct. Kids love marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to Wesleyan. Um, Todd, we cut back to Todd and Diane sat on the front row, which I love. Um, Todd asks Diane if she's still working on a memoir. She replies pointedly, uh, kind of funny story about that, but Todd kind of cuts her off before we can hear what she means by that. And that in itself became, let's be honest, another cliffhanger for another episode because it's Diane. We only want what's best for her and we are all concerned. Mm. Pull through, Diane. Um, but we're back to Bojack. He introduces the show to a very polite applause. Uh, credits the students for their huge improvements over the course of the term and in the putting together of the show and on it goes. Um, during the show, he's noticed that uh, the empty reserved seat for Hollyhock has remained empty. So he calls her, unfortunately goes to voicemail, so he dashes across campus to her dorm. Uh, Hollyhock answers the door and it's evident she's forgotten. She feels bad um, because she's missing Tawny in the showcase, not because she's missing Bojack's big night. And she verbalises that as well. She's sorry she's forgotten, but the guilt is for her friend, not for Bojack. Um, Bojack kind of like cuts to the chase at this point. He realises that this is more than just missing the show. Why is she avoiding him? Um, but she reminds him that all of Wesleyan was hers before it was his. It is the first point that he is confronted with that reality and he kind of doesn't really have a comeback for that. He just works on all these assumptions that he has. He notes that he just thought it would be cool getting to spend a bit more time with his sister but he rebuffs the very, she rebuffs the very word, the very idea that they exist. Notes, notes that it's not quite like that and he shouldn't refer to them like that. Um, she says that they had lives before they met each other and it's time for them to have lives after as well. Uh, Bojack says he doesn't want the life that he had before he met Hollyhock. Um, but he does say that if it's too weird, um, he won't come back to Wesley and he will make that sacrifice for her. Um, Hollyhock, again, thinking of Tony, says that he's uh, she's reported that he's been a really great teacher. So I guess that's Hollyhock suggesting he doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't want him to blow up his life completely. Um, Bojack asks again, uh, oh, I thought you were still fighting with Tony. And uh, Hollyhock says, well, I do, but I love her. And then Bojack says, well, are we fighting? And she says, yeah. But, and then trails off without, of course, the big three words, just as Bojack did in that time they spent at the airport where he couldn't get those words out. It has now flipped and Hollyhock can't get them out either. In a funny sort of way, learning the darkest truth of Bojack has brought them closer than she would probably like to admit, but not for all the good reasons. Um, but he'll take it for now. Uh, Bojack goes to head back to the show, goes back to head to the show, and... Uh, 
Hollyhock stops him and says that he should come back in the fall, um, but they need to take it slow. Um, seems like the best compromise they're going to get for the time being. So off he goes back to find the showcase wrapping up to cheers and applause. It has gone really well. The students pull him into the middle of the stage for the final curtain. He bows and then he steps back and wants them to take the last spotlight. But as they're taking the final spotlight, he gets a phone call. Um, <laughs> I say he gets a phone call. He gets a phone call. But the bell of a ringtone is the slamming down of the piano keys, which slammed down on all of us because he looks at the screen and it's Charlotte. This is not the traditional bell tolling, but this is something more severe. This sets us all into a complete state of panic and dread. And indeed, it catches Bojack out too. He goes outside to take the call um, away, obviously, from all the students. And Charlotte rips into him for, quote, reporters trying to speak to Penny. They are asking questions. Bojack has no clue what she's on about. Obviously, we do. Um, but Charlotte says that's up to him to figure it out, slams the phone down. Bojack appears to be on the verge of a panic attack. He cannot catch his breath. And it's there that we hit the credits. Everything was fine, but as we've laboured on over and over again, nothing can be fine. Because as always with Bojack, just when you think that things have been addressed, you go back and you think... And you realise that nothing was ever addressed. They're so clever how they do this. Just because they lift Bojack out of the dreadful situations he's found himself in, you then don't stop to think, hang on, that was never resolved until it all comes crushing down. They do this over and over again, and its impact is never lost. What a powerhouse ending to this episode this was. Incredible, man, especially when it comes crashing down and it, like, hurts inside it's <laughs> it's quite something the way they do this and i tell you what i've seen this a lot of, I, I, I always say this about the show i've watched this episode a few times now still get caught off guard every single time when that phone goes off like mm. it's incredible the way they managed to get the sound uh, the sound the score to go with it where the dread the doom and the dread that cuts through this really nice feel-good moment of Bojack actually being a good teacher who's turned all these students into pretty decent performers. They might not be might not be Ibsen, Michael, but they're all doing pretty good. <laughs> and still, it still gets interrupted. But you're right. None of it. The big, big stuff, the huge stuff in his life has still not been dealt with. And this is a... This is a, just a massive reminder. People always talk about that. You can run away from your troubles as long as possible, but they'll always come back and catch you up or whatever the old adage is. And the phone call is specific to it because it's the name, it's the picture of Charlotte, it's the dread sound that fills the soundtrack. It's just all the visual cues that you don't want. We've all had that where you've had a call from a number that you're either expecting to be bad news or maybe, maybe you're a piece of I don't know. <laughs> but like, we've all had it where there's something that will jolt you out of whatever you're doing because you're terrified by it. And I felt it in me. And the way they make it Bojack and have him having that panic attack almost on the verge of just before the end of the episode. Oh, brother. You've hit upon a phrase there that I meant to put in my notes and didn't. It's a, a phrase you're reading a lot of now, but it's obviously, you know, derived from this, the literal interpretation. He has literally been given his flowers for his performance, yes. yeah. and he drops everything when he gets the call. He's got this bunch of flowers in his hands, and he gets the call, and he drops it in pure shock. There's a gasp, and the flowers just hit the deck, because as, you, as yeah. you've sort of articulated there, that's the feeling, isn't it? Drop everything. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
when that phone happens, oh, Todd, you're in trouble <laughs> now. Um, <clears throat> it was all going so well, but I guess we should have expected at some point reality was going to come knocking. It is the last half of the last season of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> yeah. We still got some ground to make up, my friend. And let's be honest, you know, think about how good they've got to be for this stuff to happen in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're at season six now, and that phone call still like blew the socks right off you. Uh, incredible stuff from an incredible team of writers. In a great opening episode of the first, oh, sorry, the second half of the final season, and really yeah. grabbing you and filling you full of that old familiar dread. <laughs> oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I believe that's you all done with your end. Of yeah, thing. can we get from the darkness into the light, please? You normally we can indeed. light after so much shade, don't you? We can indeed. Certainly try, anyway, uh, for what <laughs> is an episode of Bojack Horseman. This is part of the show we call Horsing Around, where we go back to the beginning of the episode and we dive into all of the small details you might have missed, all the hidden meanings behind certain things, and all of the Easter eggs within the episode. And, of course, whenever we start a new... I know it's not a new season, but it's the second half of the season, so they've there's like there's a time reset and we've gone to a new mm. set which means there's loads of places that we haven't been before which means mm. lots of new things to look at so let's get cracking we go back to wesleyan university uh the exterior essentially the campus we see we've seen the sign before but it said something different about michael bay last time if i recall correctly uh this time around the sign reads macarthur fellows to the left of me Nobel laureates to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle town with you. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant stuff. I was going to try and right. do it to the tune of Stuck in the Middle of You. But I thought maybe we'll just, maybe we'll ease ourselves back into this episode. <laughs> we'll save the real good stuff for later on. Of course, Middletown being where Wesleyan University is based in America as well. There you go, a little tidbit for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, also brilliantly, there's a few gags. There's a um, there's a man. <laughs> there's two two women who've made a snow person in the snow. 
and one of the women is posing with it, the other one's taking a picture. And Ash is doing that. Once again, Bojack Horseman putting motorized scooters to the sword as a man on a motorized scooter loses control and like plows through this snow person, <laughs> completely scattering it everywhere, and he flips out. And the women are not impressed that their selfie or their picture has been ruined. What are they going to do on the ground, Michael? They've lost their picture. Oh, I know, man. Um, very funny though and last be, lastly rather a bunch of students who are heading into a building you'll see there's a bird student who's flying overhead who sort of comes down ahead towards the entrance and lands on the shoulders of a rhino student and they kind of go in together as one as the bird sort of sitting on the back of the rhino as you would oh see out God. in the wild um, we get the little cut into Bojack's room where he's kind of getting ready uh, as you mentioned in prep for his first lecture and you see on the, the sort of dresser he's got, there's a little mug on the corner that says, number one, teach. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hasn't even done anything yet, and he's already got himself, presumably, the mug. Or did someone get him it? I can't remember if we see that happen. I don't think so, but who knows. Um, also, I just thought it was uh, quite interesting, him, this particular line coming out of his mouth where he says, acting is about leaving everything behind and... Becoming something completely new is the line that comes out of his mouth. And huge for his acting lecture, I'm sure. But no surprises that it is exactly what he's trying to achieve with this brand new sort of chapter in his life away after rehab. Uh, we go to the lecture hall. I just had a little note for you, Michael. You know how he writes Professor Horseman on the board in Sharpie, um, which feels very permanent, I should point out, just as another sign of things. But... I just wanted to point out that Bojack's got excellent handwriting. He's got really nice handwriting. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen it before in this show, probably, but for whatever reason, Professor Horseman's handwriting is great. It does mm. also look just like the font for Sharpie, which is, of course, the pen. Oh, yes. Great spot, yes. I may, be, I may be sort of reaching a little bit there, but that's what that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that, when I saw it this time around. And I'm pretty sure that's deliberate. Uh, we go to the opening credits. No changes there. So no sort of Wesleyan introduction. But let's be honest, the credits for this season are so great. Why would there be a change at this point? The whole point is to fill you with doom every time you watch them. So why would you want to give them any more <laughs> at all? Uh, we go back to the lecture hall. A few little bits from around the students who are in there watching Bojack's lecture. Uh, there's a cat person who's wearing a hoodie, Michael. That would normally read Abercrombie and Fitch if they were in this world, but in the Bojack Horseman world, it is Abercrombie and Fish because, of course, it is. <laughs> and they're a cat, you see, the, <laughs> the juxtaposition, it's all very clever. Did I mention the show as well? Animals, Michael. Well, uh, if I didn't. Come on. <laughs> Brilliantly, there's also a monkey person who is sitting in uh, the row of students. And a bit of a throwback, this one, for me, certainly, I haven't been on this website in forever. Uh, got our laptop open, we sort of see the shot from behind them, and they're just on Newgrounds. I don't know if you ever remember Newgrounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sitting on the laptop there, with the, you see the little tank in the corner that has Newgrounds mm. underneath it, um, the entertainment website, which I just thought, bloody hell, I remember going back on that. It's been ages since I've been on there. I'd be oh, curious predates, to know how... predates YouTube, that does. I remember does, that was where you went for videos. Was, yeah. Where you went for all your entertainment and content needs. Mm. Um and speaking of entertainment, Connor needs when Tawny is up there performing her little bit for Bojack on stage. I just thought, brilliant this name for the thing. She says, This is from Kablamo Mother. <laughs> 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 Lord only knows what that might be, but it made me laugh. Uh, we go to Bojack's office. As you can imagine, brand new place, this, so it's full of things for you to look at. And the first thing we see 
uh, are the what I described as the theatre masks. You know the ones, the uh, mm. comedy and tragedy masks you'll be familiar with. But of course, they're in Bojack's office, so they are a sad horse and a happy horse mask on the wall. Of course, they are often referred to as the sock and buskin, uh, but also most notably, Michael, known as, and I'm going to butcher these, the melpomene, which is the muse of tragedy, the sad face, and the mm-hmm. thalia, or the talia, uh, the muse of comedy, which is mm. the happier horse face that we see on this. There's also a poster that reads cinematography, spelt with an I and an A at the end, by uh, and it says Lumi Bear across the bottom. You see like an old-timey scene with a sort of bear character at the bottom, which mm. I think is a nod to the Lumiere brothers, of course, and their cinematograph motion picture system that they had back in the day. I'm pretty sure it's it's meant to be a wink and nod for that, but if anybody has any better ones for that, please do leave them mm. at Podcast Horseman. Let us know. Uh, there's also another poster, this one a little bit more nailed on. That's for a bleat car named Desire. <laughs> as opposed to Sweet Car Named Desire, of course, the Tennessee Williams play, and the, the characters that are on the post are two goats, of course, because they're bleating, Michael. You see, oh, nice. it's thing. And you read the bottom. The people who are starring in this performance are Nancy Nanny Goat and Goaty Goaterson. <laughs> oh, Sometimes it's the stupid and simple ones that are the mm-hmm. best. There's also a, a little gold bust in Bojack's office. Now, you and I have chucked this one back and forth a little bit. The one that I thought it was possibly meant to be is William Shakespeare, but it's a bear, so it's William Shakespeare. I think it's meant to be. I love it. I think it is that. I love it. I think that. it is that. It's got the twiddly moustache. It's got the sort of Shakespeare, I don't even know what the name is for that type of shirt. I would call it the puffy mm-hmm. shirt from Seinfeld is what I would call it. Yeah. Very similar to that. Um, but if anyone has any better ones for this, because I, I thought of it, but I'm not sure about it. So William Shakespeare is what we've got. If you've got better or worse, let us know at Podcast Horseman. Maybe we've just missed it entirely. And by we, I mean me, but let's drag Michael Hampton down <laughs> with me. Uh, <laughs> there's also a brilliant bit where Whitfield is in Bojack's office talking to him about acting and Bojack's trying to basically say, you're not very good. Um, and Whitfield says, some would say... There are no bad actors, only bad teachers. To which Bojack, <laughs> which Bojack replies, what about Jason Siegel? He was a bad actor in Bad Teacher, <laughs> which I thought nice was a lovely little bit of a twist there. Although no real dunks on Jason Siegel. Are we, do we like him? Are we like Jason Siegel? Yeah, we like Jason we like, Siegel. We like Jason Siegel. Yeah. I am sure. I'm telling myself that's just one of those random ones that RBW decided to chuck in there. Not one out of spite, perhaps, I hope. Jason Siegel, if I remember correctly, didn't really want to do the last season of How I Met Your Mother. Yes. And uh, his instincts were right, even if they were the correct. money was obviously <laughs> better. Yeah. And I also do wonder if it's very simply that they chose Jason Siegel because it's like a seagull, you see? Jesus. You see what they've done there? It's, it's, it's oh. all... Wasn't he in that film, The Birds, say? Was that? <laughs> no. Someone else. That a was a bird, Michael. Because it's a bird, Michael. <laughs> anyway, we go from there across to the first AA meeting of many in this episode. Uh, you'll see a few things in here. On the notice board, we've got a few bits in the background. There's a flyer that says, Waking up early. Why? Is it worth it? Will your newfound sense of superiority drive away friends and family? <laughs> and it's one of those that question that, with a yes. Yes, it, yes will. it will. As a person who attempted this for quite some time and still does every now and again, yes, it 100% will. I guarantee <laughs> this. 
And it's one of those where I have the little tabs to pull away. There's been quite a few tabs that have been pulled away <laughs> on this one. There's also another notice board flyer that says, reconnecting with your teen through memes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Michael, if you had to guess what the example image for a meme is on this poster, bearing in mind we're watching Bojack Horseman, what would it be? What meme could possibly be on that poster? Uh, it's got to be Sad Dog, hasn't it? It is, of course. Yeah, the Sad I Dog meme. A great example of memes across the board, you see? Mm. Uh, the, mo- the month also, we get to find out. Yeah, the calendar is visible, and you will see this going throughout. I assume we, we're kind of given these AA meetings as monthly check-ins, essentially. So you'll mm. see the calendar. The first one here, we see February it is on the calendar. No sort of official confirmation about like actual date as a number and uh, the year. I assume the year is meant to be 2020 as well, if we're going mm-hmm. in that trajectory, along with when the show comes out or came out in January um, of 2020. But we do see that the calendar month changes as the sessions go on. Um, also, on the other side is a whiteboard, and we get a list of sessions that are going on in that building uh, throughout the week, of course. On the Monday, which we must be at, is Alcoholics Anonymous. On the Tuesday is Reaganomics Analysis, of course. And as you can see, there's a little bit of a theme going on here. On Wednesday, we've got Subatomic Anomalies. <laughs> and then, of course, on Thursday, we're closed, thankfully. So they obviously ran out of tongue twisters for that one. Um, also, I just as offensive and terrible as this was when Whitfield bursts in to the AA meeting and pretends to be a drunk in a room full of people who are struggling with alcohol yeah. addiction. I mean, it's pretty funny when he's going around and, and he's just basically listing all of the different words in the world <laughs> of being drunk. And I've done my absolute best to try and grab them all while he was gone. Um, he, he essentially says, I am wasted, hammered, sloshed, faced, tanked, blitzed, bombed, wrecked, Irish canned, smashed, annihilated, laced, faded. In conclusion, I am a drunk. The big D. (laughs) Big D. (laughs) It's so stupid. It's so horrible. Like if this was an actual proper Amy, this would be a disastrous thing. (laughs) But we can look at it through the through the lens of comedy, Michael, because we get a distance from it. I hope. Anyway, from there we go across to the rugby field where um, where Hollyhock is playing and Bojack is watching in attendance on the bleachers. Um, we see during the match there's a chicken person who tackles Hollyhock to the ground. Bojack shouts, foul! That foul! Foul, ref! Where's the whistle? <laughs> <laughs> One, what you have to keep... I tell you what, man, I always say it, put the subtitles on while you're watching Bojack Horseman. You will get more jokes than you bargained for. Um, mm. Also, brilliantly... There's another little gag here where Bojack says, there are women tossing women everywhere. What is this? The running of the brides at Philene's 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 basement? Of course, for anybody who's probably our American audience who are listening to this podcast, you will know that, of course, as the chain of department stores over in America, which I can only imagine is like a goddamn war zone during this time of year or whenever there's a bunch of brides running and trying to get stuff from there. Um, but as the owl who's sitting next to Bojack brilliantly says, who certainly was speaking for me, Michael, nobody knows what Filene's basement is. <laughs> yeah, same. Shut up. But I, it wouldn't have worked if we did, would it? It wouldn't have worked no. if we'd have got that. Yeah. The gag was funnier because I didn't know, and it was mm. even more funny when I went and found out, so there you go. <laughs> A double whammy. Uh, we go across to the lecture hall 
straight after that, where Bojack is sort of teaching the scenes to people and they're acting them out. I think he's doing like a, a session with them where they're mimicking each other's body movements and uh, he's asking Tony about um, Hollyhock and she kind of says, based on their fights, she says, our fights are like Adele songs, all are kind of the same, but with different specifics, she says. <laughs> Which feels <laughs> pointed, at least I think it's fair to say. Uh, but brilliantly, while Bojack is asking her how Hollyhock is, and she's kind of explaining everything, while Tony stops doing the exercise and starts talking to Bojack, the monkey person who's working alongside her continues to copy all of her movements brilliantly. <laughs> the animation, everything she says and does, the monkey is mimicking. It's excellent, really great stuff. A little detail they didn't have to add, but of course it did, because mm. Bojack Horseman's the best. Um, we go into his office, and as you kind of alluded to, Bojack was reading up on a bunch of books about rugby to try and get himself clued in about Hollyhock's new found sport. Uh, the books are as follows. There's a magazine, first he's reading, called Rugby Fancy, with the um, with the line at the bottom that says, Go scrum with your number one. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a little stack of books. One is called Rugby 101. One is called how to rugby. <laughs> the <laughs> other one is called Rugby 405. <laughs> I love that. I did check as well, though. There, I thought maybe there was going to be a cute area code gag in there, but unfortunately, 405, I think, was the uh, area code for Oklahoma. So not okay. necessarily anything directly related to Wesleyan University. But I just wanted you all to know that I did my homework because that's what we do on this show. That was five minutes. I'll never get back. Uh, <laughs> we go back to the rugby field quickly again Bojack is still reading once more this time the book he's reading is called Rugby to be or not to be we then quickly flip from there back to a park bench you're going to see there's a bit of a pattern going on with these books as Bojack sits on the bench while eating a huge bag of Funyuns I should point out we're seeing his undying love for those throughout this season uh, the books are as follows Days of Wine and Rugby there's also <laughs> Rugs and Bees which certainly felt like the birds and the bees to me there's also War and Peace and Rugby, <laughs> a book that is simply called Rugby, and last but not least, the one at the bottom, The Great Rugby. <laughs> Once again, Michael, as this season has continued to do, another great Gatsby wink and nod. Mm. Of course, there's been a few, as we've recalled, throughout this season, and he has another one. We go back to the rugby field, though. Once again, Bojack, now completely literate when it comes to rugby, he meets Hollyhock after her match <laughs> and says, what up, Rugger? Two tries, two conversions, and a drop goal. Jonah Lomu over here, as he points to him, <laughs> giving, <laughs> giving him the thumbs up. And for anybody, of course, who doesn't know much about rugby, I don't know much about rugby, but I do know who Jonah Lomu is, of course, the famous New Zealand rugby player, who, I guess, if you don't want a reference point, is considered to be like the first ever kind of big global star out of rugby, yeah. out of world rugby, I think it's fair to say. A very, very talented player. Often was the file of many an England team, I'm sure, back in the day. Not that I'm a big rugby fan, but there you go. Uh, Hollyhock's dorm room we go to next from there. And there's a bunch of stuff here on the exterior. We don't ever actually get to go in it, per se. We just see it outside. There's a sign on her door, which is like her full name in this massive big yellow circle, with a bunch of lovely pictures around, a bit like the montage, um, or the collage, rather, that she had at Bojack's house on the window of his patio. Mm. Uh, just a bunch of pictures of her and all her multiple dads with her name in the middle, and like all of her surnames to go with it, of course, around there too. Next to that, though, you'll see there's a bulletin board outside of her room, or just to the right of her door, with a bunch of little posters on. One is a Friday movie night, Michael. It says free popcorn, and it starts at 9pm. And the film they're going to be watching, Michael, which made me bark laughing at the time, uh, was Robocock. 
Um, <laughs> which, as you can imagine, is a chicken done up as Robocop. <laughs> it's going to be one of two things that I thought. Thank yeah, God it's Bojack. Either, either, that, either that or the Robo was going to be wearing a very different kind of helmet indeed. Um, <laughs> and brilliantly, the next to that is another poster that says, a talk about the movie we watched last night, which is happening on Saturday morning at 9am. There's also another <laughs> random poster at the bottom that just says, licking frogs is a crime. That's it. And there's a frog person in the middle of the poster. There's a frog person in the middle of the poster with a bunch of tongues that are like giant, strange tongues that are all pointed towards that person. I guess in that sort of psychedelic way that maybe university students are sort of presented. Uh, portrayed as hippies who are having all these new experiences, licking mm-hmm. frogs, maybe being one of them. I don't know. It's a good one, though, nonetheless. A yeah. great vision, I think it's fair to say. There's also another flyer next to that that says, and this one's definitely a university stereotype, hacky sack lessons with hacky sack hound. And <laughs> like a dog dude who's wearing a tie-dye T-shirt doing a keepy up with a hacky sack because, of course, he is. And one of those flyers where you pull the tab away again. For more lessons. Also, in the background, while Bojack and Hollyhock are talking, is a person who walks across the corridor. Uh, it's a worm person who's carrying all the books. Michael, can you get the joke? Of course, he's a bookworm. Book he's worm. got all the books. He's Very a worm. Nice. Uh, it's it's top tier stuff. This top tier stuff. And also, we see that Hollyhock Michael is reading the book that she mentions instead of doing rugby, doing rugby, playing rugby, uh, called Gender Trouble by Judith Butler. And if we sort of pay a bit more attention to what, what's going on here, anybody who knows the book, Gender Trouble is uh, the, and the, to, give it, to give it its full title, Gender Trouble, Feminism and the Subversion of Identity, is a book by the philosopher Judith Butler, in which the author argues that gender is a kind of improvised performance, which is quite interesting given the fact that Bojack is doing a whole course with people like this. Uh, a little bit more of a note here that we get through the Wikipedia uh, synopsis. The work is influential in feminism, women's studies, and lesbian and gay studies, and has also widespread popularity outside of traditional academical circles. Interest in this, I find, especially at the time, because we find that Hollyhock and Tawny are constantly in back-and-forth arguments, Michael, mm. and we see this sense of love between the two, and certainly there's an illusion here to it. We don't get anything confirmed, but there's definitely... Hollyhock having to explore herself, as you would at university, and, and figure out who she is. And this is a good wink and a nod towards that. From there, we go across to my favourite weird character in this episode. We go to Gaz, the accountant, Michael. We go over to his office. <laughs> uh, for all the madness that you would expect from a financial advisor's office, uh, or an accountant's office, but you know what I mean. Um, we, see, <laughs> we see on his desk, Michael, he's got a drink. And uh, in typical American fashion, it's an aid, something aid, and it's not Lucas aid, it's not Gator aid, but it is financial aid, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> because he's an accountant, you see what they're doing? Did you get the joke? I love that he's called Gaz. I don't know why I love that he's called Gaz. There's something about that that makes it feel sleazy, like he's dodgy, and that's why mm. Bojack's got him hired as his accountant. But brilliantly, I love this. When he says to Bojack, are you working on a movie in terms of, you know, he spent a load of money at rehab. Bojack's like, no, actually, I'm a college professor now. To which Gaz literally spits <laughs> his financial aid out everywhere. Spit takes it out and says, what? Do you hate money? <laughs> <laughs> it must be a financial account or like an accountant's worst nightmare here in this from someone like mm-hmm. Bojack who's been making so much money. We go across to the next AA meeting, which I would assume is in March now because they do kind of jump or seem to jump in monthlies. The next one is definitely set in April. So we could possibly assume this one is March. Um, 
a few changes again. Uh, there's a new notice board flyer that says, <laughs> that says, put your nuts in a 401k. <laughs> and then there's <laughs> a picture of a squirrel and the little squirrel head and just a bunch of those like pine nuts kind of floating around on this flyer. Uh, the flyer is also orange, which I just thought was a nice squirrel oh, wing, of course. Um, and then the, the sessions that were on the whiteboard have changed again on the left-hand side. Monday is still Alcoholics Anonymous, but Tuesday is now Basements and Basilisks. Wednesday is now Lene and Lizards. Can you see the theme that's going on here? And Thursday is Hallways and Hamsters. <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff. Super stupid, that one. Um, we go back to the lecture hall. And I just thought it was great because Princess Carolyn comes to do a talk with all the BoJack students about the business, Michael. What is the card on the desk that basically titles her entire visit and what it's about? Agent versus manager. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that this is her whole life at this point. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, Bojack, though, while talking to uh, Princess Carolyn about Stan, of course, the prodigy in the episode, um, he mentions how he's the best actor I've got. I had my doubts when he did the scene from Proof, but when he did the scene from Doubt, I thought, well, there's the Proof, which is <laughs> a very, very cute gag. Again, something that you benefit from seeing with the subtitles on. I know it's not super cryptic, but it does help. Uh, proof, of course, being the film that came out in 2005, and Doubt being the film that came out in 2008. There you go. Oh, um, very nice, very cute, lovely stuff. There's a lot of little cute ones like that. Um, mm. Always helps to have some in the subtitles. Um, we go back to Bojack's office once again, though, and I've just written down here to note that it's a cute little back and forth gag this isn't it with Stan the dog uh, going between yeah. sort of expectation versus reality <laughs> and sort of mom versus dad and he's just like yeah. the dog is being torn between the two very very cute gag did make me laugh a lot uh, we see though a little establishing shot of Wesleyan campus when I think it's when Todd and Ruthie and Princess Carolyn have sort of turned up um, we see Todd it's actually when Todd and Ruthie are just walking around I think around campus uh, we see a chicken who is at a table um, and just sitting there with a sign that says Day of Sirens <laughs> it's just a deal <laughs> full of sirens obviously the gag being that there's loads of noise going off on this campus in wild different ways but it's literally just a table full of sirens I didn't <laughs> wonder if there was more of this if I was like a you know a, what was a nod to Day of Sirens or whatever the only thing I find was a film in 2002 called Day of the Sirens but it didn't seem to tie to this at all I do yeah. think it is just about the fact that campuses tend to have one Real stupid shit when you look in hindsight. Like, I remember yeah. some stuff that was being trawled out on tables when I was at campuses mm -hmm. when students are doing their projects or people are just like, exploring what they want to be part of or whatever. We had groups that are, we had an eclectic groups doing different things. Day of Sirens, though, sounded very, very on the money. Um, there's also in the foreground of that shot, there's a slow Loris who's playing with a frisbee, but of course, as it gets thrown over his head, he's just too slow to get it. He's just can't be bothered, and he goes trips and after it, but he's not going at any great pace whatsoever. And finally, but the best gag, my favourite gag out of the ones that's on this campus, this noisy university campus, there's just a barbershop quartet who are practising on, they're harmonising on the grounds, and there's one bird, there's one peacock, there's one duck who all are like, and then on the very end, I think it's a seal, <laughs> who goes to harmonise and of course just goes, <laughs> totally misses the mark. Oh, it's such God. a stupid gag, but it really, really made me laugh. Uh, it really got me good. A, a bird, a peacock, a duck, and a seal. 
That gag was never going to survive unless it got a little it was crazy. Never going to survive. It was no kiss from a rose at all. It was very much a bark from a seal, Michael. <laughs> we go across to the marshmallow study, of course, where Todd and Ruthie are trying to figure out what's going on. I love that the scientist, uh, I guess, the scientist student or science student who is practicing with Todd and Ruthie was just holding a box, Michael, and the box is labelled science marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> like there's some sort of difference. Science marshmallows, because of course it was for important scientific discoveries like Indeed. do babies Indeed. love marshmallows? <laughs> um, that whole science lab montage as well we go across to where Todd goes to see that guy who's working on a cure for cancer, but literally stops it all to help Todd prove that he can make a marshmallow from scratch. The montage is great. It's really over the top, really worth your time to see the animation that goes into that as well. Uh, we then go back across to the the final AA meeting of the episode uh, where, once again, we see there's a new notice board. Uh, it's another flyer. And this one says, it's advertising for an all-cat laser tag league, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Why would it not be? We do also see, as I mentioned before, that the month is now April. So I see in time passing by with these, but the calendar does indeed read April on this one. <clears throat> and uh, once again, on the other whiteboard to the left, the sessions have changed. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is still on Mondays, but on Tuesdays, Michael, we are now getting square dancing. Can you guess where we're going with this one? On Wednesdays, we will be getting the triangle tango. And on Thursdays, we'll be getting circular yoga because, of course, all of yoga course. must be full circle, Michael. Because yeah. how else are you going to have your flexibility? Mm. Uh, we go across to the lecture hall where Bojack's getting ready for the performance. Uh, we see, of course, all the gang are in attendance. I say all the gang. Diane, Todd, Ruthie, Princess Carolyn are all there for the show. We do, of course, see that sign that is reserved. I thought it was nice how it says it's reserved for Hollyhock. And then not all of our names, though, just the initials M-M-G-R-Z-H-F-M because, of course, that would have been one big-ass sign. And the other thing of note, of note here is that we see one of these sets of students. I think it's the very first one, perhaps. Or is it the last one? I can't remember. Uh, they're going to perform, I think it's the first, a show by what they describe as Sam German Shepherd's Real America, um, which is in reference to the real-life playwright, of course, Sam Shepard, but James Shepard fits better. Because yeah. he's a dog, Michael, of course. Well, he is in this, anyway. <laughs> uh, from there, we go across, of course, to Hollyhock's dorm room. Uh, once again, Bojack goes to visit, and just a few quick changes to the bulletin board. Uh, the movie night that is playing this time round, Michael, is for Rushmore instead of, of course, the Wes Anderson classic Rushmore. And, of course, instead of it being it's a mall on the poster because, of course, it is. <laughs> um, and last but not least, uh, we go and see the lecture hall once again. And this, oh, God, this both made me laugh but also gave you some, like, a nice moment in the episode. Of course, Bojack's just left Hollyhock and raced back to the lecture hall and we kind of get Terry old man Terry in his old man voice doing a little bit of narration here um, I'm going to try and do this as a man who's still got a bit of a sore throat I'm going to try it anyway and we'll see how okay. I get it I'm not coughing my head off well tough deal with it um, so Terry sort of says as Bojack is coming back and he's just finished his talk with uh, Hollyhock and in that moment I knew this was my home and as long as I was here I'd be safe but then again, what do I know? I'm just a 15-year-old boy. 
living in Brighton Beach. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect. It's so absolutely perfect because finally, the one role that Terry seems to have found that it might actually be any good. <laughs> Sorry, I told you it was going to happen. Uh, is when he's playing fifteen year fifteen year old boy, but he's still doing the old man accent. Oh God, really funny that. But just there's that nice little sort of poignancy about the. And in that moment, I knew this was my home, and as long as I was here, I'd be safe. But of course, Bojack Horseman <laughs> couldn't help themselves but undercutting it with a lovely joke to finish. So there you have it. Those are all of the things from this week's edition of Horsen Around. But, Michael, as is usually tradition on this show, we do still have time for one last thing, and then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second this week, Michael? I'll go first if it's okay, because it's only a short one. Um, okay. And we kind of have alluded to it in the episode, um, in our discussion of it already. Um, I liked how we've had a, a case now. Of, remember in the last episode, we talked about how they'd wrapped up the, like Bojack visually um, by seemingly fixing a load of lives. He'd mm. obviously set up with Maud, he'd done whatever he could for Prince Carolyn and so on and so on and so on, only to watch the lives that he'd sometimes inadvertently, sometimes directly destroyed over the course of an episode that didn't even feature him. He was like a spectre, wasn't he, in that, that mm. last episode we reviewed. Um, I like that we circle back yet again to another episode of him making lives. In this case, it's these young people's lives. It's these students that he's teaching. It's a very different way of trying to make people's lives. It's not people that he's hurt in the past. It's complete strangers that he just want to make the day better. And then it circles back again with the very final moment to the lives that he's indirectly and directly destroyed by Charlotte and Penny getting hassled by those reporters. It's just it's really quite neat at this point as we watch narratively everything, all of the uh, the robo the robot chickens as it were coming home to roost all at the same time for Bojack. What was once split over an episode seven into an episode eight. It's now all just happening together. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, how they would do a drugs trip where like yeah. everything overlaps for Bojack. If you remember, of course, the amazing musical number um, in last season's episode 11 or the very first um, episode 11 in season one with um, yeah. Todd Serling and Bojack, um, it becomes all as one. It's the only time where the, the positives, the negatives, the ills, the, the, the moments of joy in Bojack's life, it all kind of comes together in a big mess. And that's happened in this episode after them like being careful to divide them up. And I quite like that as a device. Again, I think it just added to the, we've kind of labored on it, but it added to the impact of the, like everything falling apart and almost like setting us right the way back to season one, Bojack not being able to catch his breath over his past coming back to haunt him. Yeah, it's amazing how they managed to do that. And these are, these are ghosts or skeletons in this closet that I've, finally coming back after all this time to be dealt with. And as you say, the closing in, there's a feeling of the walls closing in. But something I just thought was, a, just while you were talking there, that feels like a really sort of a really fitting bit of imagery is it's all for a man who's just been through rehab and has just recovered. So it's on the road to recovery, of course. I know we've discussed that at length before where we say, just because you've been in rehab doesn't mean this ends. It's not like some magical cure. He is, of course, still on that. But it feels interesting that everything's starting to bottleneck 
at this point mm. for a man who's just found, found a way to beat the ball and is now being forced back into that yeah. life of a bottleneck nice. that seems to be coming with all of these bad things that are sort of literally phoned him up out of the blue to just come and shit on his day, Michael. It doesn't matter how good of a day you have. Because <laughs> it's time to pay the toll, my friend. Well, interestingly, my one last thing is a, it's a bit right. It's a little bit random, but I, th- I feel like because it's Bojack Horseman, first of all, what I'm going to preface this by saying is if someone is smarter than I and has realised that this is actually from something else and I've just missed the joke, then I do apologise. But I've read into this a little bit more seriously in terms of the show as a whole, Bojack Horseman mm-hmm. as a whole, but also just as, as a little reminder about like the sort of seriousness that goes on um, beneath the surface. So you will notice throughout those AA meetings that are going on, <clears throat> there's all sorts of shenanigans, isn't that? We get two disruptions from students who are just trying to get Bojack's attention and then we get the one mishap where, of course, Amy comes in for help and Bojack kind of shoots her down. Mm. Uh, which the more you think about it, that how hard it must be to take that step to go to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and then well, the yeah, first yeah. week that happens, you're never going back, are you? That's just <laughs> disastrous, really. But interspersed between all of these little moments, if you're paying attention, there's like an, a lizard or an iguana person uh, who is telling story, a story mm. that seems to tie together throughout the course of each uh, segment. So I've just got them all here, and I'll read them to you as they come. Okay. The iguana says, uh, the first one is, she knew I was drunk, but she still let me drive with Jonathan. And then the next bit says, I've driven across that bridge drunk hundreds of times, but never on black ice. As the water rose, I remember fumbling through the glove compartment, just praying that I could find a pin hammer so I could shut out the window. So these are just three little bits that oh, you get. Gosh. Three separate moments. Obviously, put them together, and we are painting a real horrible picture here of a terrible thing that's happened during mm. this guy's uh, life. And we don't know. He, he's, he's made it out, but we don't know who. There's an illusion there, perhaps, that whoever Jonathan is uh, may not have made it out of this accident with him. But is there something very specific about the fact that they choose that they plunge into water here in a show that has spent a lot of time mm. showing you our protagonist falling into bodies of water, being in bodies of water, constantly being shown in the actual credits of the show, whether it's falling into the pool or just being on the surface with his Lilo having the best time. But I I felt like the bigger thing here was just that the whole thing about the AA meetings is there's just pure stupid stuff going on at these AA meetings eventually because of all the disruptions. But isn't that Bojack Horse from the show in a nutshell? There's a lot of distractions, there's a lot of funny, there's a lot of comedy, but at the bottom of it, the the layout at the bottom is this real dark, serious, important stuff. And if anything, it ties us nicely back to those two horse masks in Bojack's office, the tragedy and the comedy that are literally right next to each other. And I just thought, for the three little, you'll miss them. If you weren't paying attention, you would miss these entirely because they are just the tail end of the lizard slash iguana person talking. But I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, Really interesting that we chuck that in there. And it's just a proper reminder of how serious this whole stuff is, despite the fact that they are getting... Uh, broken up by pure stupidity. Anyway, that's my one last thing. That was your one last thing, which means that's it. We're all out of stuff, which I guess mm-hmm. just leaves us to plug this lovely podcast of ours for one of the final times. We're starting to get down I with that yeah. stretch now, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, you might as well, while you're here, go and follow mm-hmm. the podcast and tell us how much you hate it or how much you love it or how much you just don't care about it. It just doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> 
Who knows? Whatever you want to do, at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram, let us know. Share your favourite bits from the show. We love talking to people about Bojack Horseman. We love talking ourselves horse about that talking horse. And if you'd like to follow either of your hosts, you can also do that as well. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can go outside and do something else. Or if you really want to, you can also <laughs> follow Michael Hamlet. Go outside, it seems unlikely. At Michael Hamlet. <laughs> um, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we'd love to subscribe on Spotify if podcasts ever return on that app um, where we'd love you to follow um, and all your regular usual podcast apps. Uh, Amazon, Apple Music, uh, Napster maybe, WinMX, who knows. <laughs> uh, we're probably kicking around somewhere. Fire it up on a typewriter if you like. Basically anywhere where it doesn't, you can find ours and we would love you too. As Nicholas has said, we are on the home stretch. But it's been great to, uh, to wobble the uh, television review hierarchy a few times, and we'd love to see that just a few more times in those old podcast charts. Um, like, rate, review, all that sort of stuff. We would love that. And for the final few times, for any of those five-star reviews, we will be doing our last inductees into the Hollywood talk of fame. If you still never heard me prattle on about this before at the beginning or the end of one of these podcasts, if you leave us a little review with those five stars, you'll fool some algorithms into thinking even more people talk themselves horse about this talking horse than we know that takes place, which is exactly what McManusman97 did. Thank you very much for the review. And he started his review with thank you. He says, been meaning to review this podcast since it began and I've just not gotten around to it. Brackets, the world coming to a standstill and falling apart has a way of lengthening the to-do list. I can uh, relate to that. Mm, but I genuinely yeah, yeah. just want to say thank you. Thank you for providing the soundtrack to my first rewatch of possibly my favourite TV show ever and also keeping me sane when things were normal, never mind this past year. Plus, the increasingly lengthy runtime means that my dog always snoozes all day on Saturday after long walks listening to that week's episode. <laughs> I've heard more from you both through What Culture and Podcast Horseman than I have from anyone over this past year of solitude and greatly appreciate what you guys have added to my day. Cheers. Thank you, McManus, Man97. I should point out that review is dated. I'm just seeing this now, the 15th of February. So as mm. we are recording, we're in the summer months of 2021. That was still earlier in it. And um, I don't know exactly where that review was left, but I think most parts of the world in early 2021 were still experiencing some version of lockdown. And just to return that sentiment to you, and similar one we've seen in tweets and messages and other reviews, it's dawned on us, I think both of us, as this project comes to an end, uh, dawned on me in this review, in fact, that it is weird to me that this episode aired in 2020 because it aired in January 2020, a very different mm. 2020 to the rest of 2020. And much like our podcast begun right as the show ended, it wouldn't really look like as we imagined it would for the bulk of it, and it never will. Um, but yeah, that sentiment is very much back to you, the listeners, as well. It's very nice to think that this was part of your what part of some difficult days in 2020 because recording it made some of our difficult days much nicer as well thank you for that review um if i start uh, a start on hollywood talk of fame will be winging its way to you very soon and sincerely to everybody else and this kind of builds into what we've talked about about the following back at this point this will exist for us personally as a time capsule when this is all said and done for the the pandemic at large and a show that helped us all so, yes, absolutely shared sentiment about just what it's meant to us to do this in this time, as well as it has been for you guys to listen to us prattle on about this talking horse. Well, you might have been prattling on. I've been given eloquently spoken, <laughs> brilliant bits of words. I love how I said eloquently spoken, <laughs> brilliant bits of words. See what I did there? I like call, me, call me Raphael Bob Waxberg because I'm a genius. Did he do it on so, purpose? 
was it an accident? You'll never really know, will you? From where there is an Amy wanting to do a Bojack Horseman podcast, getting a door slammed in her face, so Terry and Whitfield can go on doing ours. <laughs> yeah, never mind, McManus man. The idiot boys are going to try and talk some real good weird stuff now. <laughs> no, genuinely, thank you for that review. Amazing that we get these through every now and again. I will get an email from uh, Chartable where we'll just it'll say like, oh, another couple of reviews have dropped in. Mm. So we do get notifications about all of these going in. And I c- can't tell you, man, how nice it is to read these and just genuinely see some people who are earnestly enjoying this podcast. We and we love doing it. It's kept me and him, that one over there, Michael, yeah. saying throughout this however many months or years it has been now. What year is it, Sam Terry? But genuinely. They're always lovely to read, which is why we will, no matter what happens, make sure every single one of them gets read out on this show because yeah. we appreciate you writing them. So the least we can do is read them back. As Michael mentioned as well there, if you've forgotten already since the start of this podcast, I'm sure you probably have. We've prattled on for a while, according to Michael. Uh, <laughs> this is the first Follow Friday. I'm going to pretend that this is happening mm. live right now. This is the first Follow Friday. <laughs> retweet the podcast the link that we put up with the show we want to try and get out as many people as possible like it share it retweet it leave a comment anything you do any interaction with that or on instagram where we post up a link for the new episode along with the thumbnail for this week's episode just interact with it in some way shape or form and i promise you if you have done that i will find you i will hunt you down call me liam neeson because i will find you hunt you down i won't kill you but i will follow you on Twitter or Instagram. There you go. That is your reward. Anyway, do we have anything else to do before I go to the Netflix synopsis? We're good. We are all good on this one. Lots of plugs going on there. All good. Anyway, we go to Netflix then for next week's episode. And I will say to you, I tell you every time that this happens and I see a one I like, well, guess what? Next week's is a good one. It's mm. a real good one. It's season six. It's episode 10. It is good damage diane's depression lifts but she's still struggling to start writing her memoir report as page and max pay penny a visit uh, a lot going on in this episode <clears throat> a lot going on there's a lot to take in i know i will spoil nothing for you but what i will say is once again bojack horseman doing the best shit and stuff that you need to be both physically mentally emotionally Maybe a little bit. I don't know. What's the word? I, what's another word that I chuck in there that's fun? Come on, what am I paying you for? God damn it! Uh, <laughs> I only had one, and I'm not going to repeat it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Stop it! You're grotty brain. You're grotty brain. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. That moment's passed. You've ruined it. I guess we'll just have to call that some good damage on my ego. Very anyway, nice. good. On good. Until next time, everybody. I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamlet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Mm-hmm.